This is an ABC podcast. Well, it's the season for prizes in science. They kick off in early October with the Nobels, and then we get the Prime Minister's Prizes for Science and Teachers, followed by the Victorian Awards and then those in New South Wales a week later. Given last week in the exquisite surroundings of Government House by the harbour. And so the season ends suitably with the Braggs, this time for science writing. William and Lawrence Bragg of Adelaide remain the only father and son Nobel laureates, and Lawrence the youngest in history to get a Nobel in science himself. He was 22 when he did the research and 25 when he got the prize. He did not celebrate too keenly as his brother had just been killed with the ending of the First World War. At the Bragg Awards last week, Michelle Simmons launched the Best Australian Science Writing 2018, a collection from which the prize winner is chosen. Here then is our Australian of the Year doing the honours at the University of New South Wales. Scientists, we typically marvel at the different ways in which we observe the world. For me personally, I actually loved art and English as well as science, and I found great pleasure from describing the world both descriptively with words with diagrams and pictures, graphically, and then when I found mathematics, I couldn't believe that you could describe the world with equations. And it's really the combination of all three that has brought me the greatest joy. And I believe it fundamentally allows us to understand things deeply and intuitively. When I was young, I actually really loved to fly. And most of all, I liked to be up in the aeroplane, looking down at the ground, and contemplating just how incredibly small we looked, like little ants running across the planet. And I think that's also why I wanted to be an astronaut, just to see what the world would look like from space. Not only just to see how small we all were, but also to see how small our world is. And to see all the other stars and planets out there with completely different perspectives. It's diversity of thought and the ability to see things at different angles that teaches us about the way the world is and who we are. Many different ways of observing the world are beautifully encapsulated in this book, The Best of Australian Science 2018. I have loved reading through the short stories. There are 33 of them, and they will challenge your views on the world and the insights into life as we currently understand them, from cosmology and the point of life itself, all the way through to the very makeup of our being with the world at the scale of atoms. So let's consider Tim Dean's story in the search for alien life. So as a woman who once dreamed of being a national, I've always been attracted to the idea that we might not be alone in the universe. But as Tim points out, we might have to accept the opposite. He asks, what could be the more shocking revelation? That our universe is teeming with life, making us just another mundane, if slightly self-obsessed, organic smear across an unremarkable rocky planet, or that the universe is devoid of intelligent life, making us astronomically unique if no less self-obsessed. His essays argue that despite the best efforts of our stargazers, we don't know which of those two scenarios is more likely to be true. And I love his challenge that whether or not we're conscious of other beings being out there, we are fundamentally alone in the universe, and that loneliness might even be part of our quest for being human. He quotes a psychologist, Clark Moustakas, through loneliness, an individual discovers life, who he is, what he really wants, the meaning of his existence, and the true nature of his relations with others. Now there's a danger nowadays that with social media, with cameras everywhere and endless videos, that we no longer experience loneliness in the same way. Our visual sense is taking over our other senses, potentially at the expense of everything else. Quiet reflective time is lost, 
the ability to create things is overtaken by an irresistible drive to consume. Our young are in danger of becoming obsessed with imagery and being instantly famous, whilst not discovering who they really are. How tragic when there's so much to learn, so much fun to be had from deep thought and curiosity. As an example in this regard, I was particularly taken by Margaret Wertheim's discussion on the evolution of our mathematical thinking of the world. For me, she beautifully describes how we transitioned our understanding of maths by looking at dimensions, from plotting graphs on two-dimensional axes, x and y, that's Descartes' two-dimensional world of Cartesian coordinates, to where we build up to three dimensions, where we have x, y, and z axes, Euclidean geometry, so that we can now describe a sphere. But hey, why stop there? What about adding a fourth dimension? Time, as Einstein did, to create a four-dimensional system called space-time. Wertheim goes on to explain how this description of a four-dimensional system can describe gravity as geometry in action. She imagines placing a large bowling ball on a trampoline, which has a grid on it with Cartesian coordinates. The grid will warp, and some parts being further away from each other, depending on whereabouts they are sitting on the grid, disturbing the inherent measurement of distance. This warping of space-time by heavy objects such as the sun gives rise to a phenomena in general relativity that we experience as gravity. Now, whilst further dimensions can be seen as purely symbolic concepts, not necessarily linked to the material world, mathematically, they can exist. They're just another degree of freedom or another coordinate axis and a different highly mathematical way of looking at the world. Eventually, by adding more dimensions, we get up to 10 or 11, and this is string theory space, time, matter, force, electromagnetism, and five different nuclear forces. Confirming these theories and whether they exist or not is going to be very hard. But you know, 500 years ago, we didn't really believe that there were any other physical worlds out there rather than our own. So we may yet surprise ourselves. Will these new ways of thinking bring enlightenment? Ultimately, Wertheim argues in her story, mathematics is, in a sense, Logic let loose in the field of imagination. Wow, who would have thought you could describe maths in such a way? I think it's fantastic. The story concludes with a thought from Sean Carroll at Caltech, who writes that from a quantum perspective, that's the way the world behaves at the very small, the universe evolves in a completely different way. In a mathematical realm with, get this, 10,000 trillion, 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 trillion <laughs> dimensions, otherwise known as a Google, spelled G-O-O-G-O-L. Each one with mathematical space, with quantum equations, and different degrees of freedoms. All that complexity in the universe that it has at its disposal, all contained conceptually within a simple word, dimension. This brings me back to my own field in quantum physics, where there's a great story, The Entangled Web, by Michael Lucy, on the development of a Chinese satellite, Misius, which orbits about 500 kilometers above the Earth. And here for about seven minutes every day, the satellite sends and receives green and red lasers to Earth to teleport information to space and back again to allow the first absolutely secure intercontinental phone call between Vienna and Beijing. So here, by encoding information in quantum states, we can send information up to satellites through the Earth and back again, and no one else can hack into them unless they have the quantum key. This is a field where Australian scientists excel. Around the country, we have now six centers of excellence focused on understanding the way in which the world behaves on quantum principles, developing new quantum technologies. 
These include quantum computing for very fast computing, absolutely secure quantum communication, very sensitive detectors to look at gravitational wave detection, very sensitive detectors to look at the movement of chemicals across the human cell, and new materials for quantum electronics that are both reproducible and flexible and use very small dimensions. It's an area that Australia leads internationally, though perhaps not everyone is aware of it. So these days, when everyone is trying to perfect a brand, not just young people on social media platforms, but companies and universities investing in their reputations, and even countries, it's important for Australia to develop its own brand. We need to be known not just for the beauty of our natural environment and our great lifestyle, and not just for the easygoing nature of our people, but also for being tireless, bold, and innovative. All of which are as true about modern Australia as some of those older cliches. I see this particularly in science. Australian scientists are achieving amazing results, and across a growing number of fields, they're leading the world. They're succeeding because Australia offers a culture of academic freedom, openness to ideas, and an amazing willingness to pursue goals that are ambitious, sometimes goals that the rest of the world has turned away from. But we don't always promote this, yet it's our duty to spread that word. By reading stories such as the ones collected each year in the best Australian science writing, we can share with everyone the wonderful things that are happening here and the growing fascination that many Australians feel for new ideas around the world. Science writers play a unique function in this regard. It's a specialist skill, the ability to encapsulate a complex idea in a way that is both clear and compelling. Curiously, Australia has produced more than its fair share of superb scientific communicators. Many of them are professional scientists in their own right, and all are great advocates for science and for a reimagined Australia. With our inherent scepticism towards dogma and our openness and collaborative spirit, Australians are natural discoverers. We're also problem solvers who like to get things done. So telling inspiring stories about science will surely inspire us all and strengthen this attribute. For this reason, I'm grateful to all the authors of this book. In their intriguing and rewarding stories, they've made a vital contribution to our national culture. But the best motivations for reading are always personal. And so my thanks, too, are predominantly personal. For all of you who contributed, thank you very much. You've entertained me and you've educated me. And even better, from time to time along the way, you have given me new ways of seeing the world. So thank you. Professor Michelle Simmons at the University of New South Wales launching the book Best Australian Science Writing 2018, published by New South Press. The Bragg winner was an MP and former Australian National University professor Andrew Lee with runner-up Joe Chandler. Both will appear in the Science Show this week. I'm Robin Williams. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.